Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. All right, I guess you guys came ready to go tonight. Uh, little, Little midweek action here. So glad that you're here on this Wednesday night. And for all of you that are joining us on a screen somewhere, uh, man, we're so glad that you are leaning in to this service and that you are taking part in this service. And, and we do consider you a part of it. So uh, I hope you can like eliminate all the distractions. Same with us in here. Um, and uh, we also hope that we to, hope to see you in person because um, we're glad you're joining us on a screen. But I think most people in here would say, it's even better in person, amen? It is, yeah, I mean, it's all good, either way. But uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, you can get it out to Hebrews 11. We've been in this little uh, study of Hebrews 11, some of the heroes of the faith, started last week, uh, last Wednesday night. It's this uh, midweek uh, series we're in, and Pastor Stani shared on, started this off last Wednesday night. Tonight I'll be sharing, and then this series will close out uh, one week from tonight, and then the Wednesday after that will be a prayer night, uh, prayer emphasis, uh, prayer service on that last Wednesday. All of our last Wednesdays of the month will be a prayer service. They're, they're going to be incredible, miracles, all kinds of crazy stuff's going to break out in those prayer services, uh, and then of course our first Wednesdays are our revival services. So Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and um, I'm going to start uh, by just reading Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2. And then we'll jump into this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Before I read it, let me just say one more thing um, about Encounter Day. It was mentioned a few moments ago there in the news. Uh, but April 2nd, everybody say April 2nd. That is Encounter Day. And I know there has been some questions, and that's been great. We've, we've gotten some questions about, like, well, what's it going to be like if everyone's going to be there? And is everybody together or is everybody separate? I saw on social media that some of the questions were coming in and being answered. And, uh, and I can say this, that uh, uh, so to those couple of questions, um, some sessions will have multiple groups together, and some sessions will be separated. The whole thing's kind of being planned out. It's going to be amazing. I can tell you this, if you've never been to an encounter, a God encounter, this would be the one to come to, all right? And I can also say this, if you have been to one before, you haven't been to one like this, because we've never done one like this before, all right? So I got you all covered, and nobody can escape that just my my little scenario right there. Uh, But uh, here's how it birthed. It birthed because we were thinking, you know, when, when, um, when people come and, and encounter God in that way and just give God a day or, or a couple of days or you know, which, however long that the God encounters would last, 
there'd be such radical transformation in the people that would come. And so sometimes it might be a women's God encounter and the, women's, uh, the women who attended would just have such an encounter with God and be so radically transformed. And then if, you know, two months later might be a men's encounter and the men would be so radically and then maybe a couple months later a youth encounter and the youth would be so radically transformed. So we started dreaming about what would happen if the total home, like if everybody in the whole family just had this radical life-changing encounter with God on the same day. You want to talk about like changing the trajectory of our families? Uh, that's how that thing got birthed. So just so you know, that's the vision behind it. That's, that's where we're at. And so I hope you're, I hope you're already registered, uh, but the link is live and you can get registered for that. The details were up there uh, in the news a few moments ago. Uh, that's why I'm not sharing the details. It's because they were already up there. It's not that I don't have all the details memorized. I've got all the details memorized. I'm just not sharing them because they're in the news a few moments ago. I'm just kidding. I don't have them all memorized. All right. <laughs> I, felt like, I felt like I was lying there because you weren't getting the, you weren't, all right, all right. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right. I said Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one and two. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, and that's these heroes. Tonight we're going to talk about one of those. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. We can, we can tap into the kind of faith that they had. We also can earn a good reputation here on this earth. I'm going to talk about the faith of Abraham tonight. And uh, let's pray. Let's ask God just to help us hear from God. All right, pray with me. Pray with me tonight that you'll hear from God. Jesus, we want to hear from you. So we open our ears to you. I pray, God, you would speak to us. I ask you, God, to, uh, to let, us, uh, let us aspire to live in a life of even greater faith than we are currently in. And we pray, God, that we would exercise that faith in every single situation, in every single area of our life. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, uh, speaking of faith, I don't know if any of you are like me, but sometimes when you maybe place an online order, like you, you order something online, you buy, you purchase something online. I just want to see a little test to see if I'm the only one that does this. But sometimes I'll order something online, and I'll make the payment and I'll be done with the order. And I, I'm, I bought something online. And then uh, I'll get the receipt email going, hey, your payment came through and you bought something. Uh, and then sometimes right there on that, on that payment receipt email, you can click a spot that says track the package. Now I know I just bought this literally like 90 seconds ago. I know that that package has not been tracked yet. Like, I know it's not on the way. I know it's not like delivering in three minutes. Like, I know. But still, sometimes, even though it's just been a couple minutes, does anybody ever do this? Like, I'll just track it. I'll just see. Maybe it's already started. I'll hit the track package button. It'll be like, it should just pop up and be like, are you serious right now? You seriously want to track this package? But that whole track the package thing is so fun. Uh, and you wait a day, you wait a couple days when it finally gets out of the warehouse and it's finally on the way and it's, it's like halfway across the country. You know, that whole deal is so fun. And um, what that is, is really faith. It's, it's faith. It's more than optimism. Like 
It's, I'm not just, I'm not hoping that at some point a package just shows up. No, I have faith that the package is showing up. You know why I have faith that the package is showing up? Because I have a receipt that shows that it's coming. Like, it's not a matter of like, uh, well, I'm just blind hope and maybe somebody at some point will bring something through. No, I can pull it out. I can track the package. I, I can go, no, no, if it doesn't show up, I can contact somebody and say, it better show up soon because look, I paid. That's, that's what faith is. Faith is having a receipt going, I know it's coming because I have the receipt for it. That's in verse one of Hebrews 11. That's why I said it's the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. It's the confirmation email for the package that has not come yet. That's faith. And these heroes of the faith, man, they operated in that in a, in a, in a, uh, heroic way. They operated in that in a way that gave them a different kind of reputation on the earth. It was more than optimism. Like I feel like faith has more grit and more teeth and more determination, more than just optimism. It's, it's, not, just, it's not just some pie in the sky. Maybe this is all going to work out. And so we're going to talk about Abraham tonight. Uh, they call him Father Abraham. I don't know if there's any old school people in the room that grew up singing Worship, not like this. You, you wish you grew up singing worship like this. Anybody grew up singing a little song called Father Abraham? All right. For those of you who didn't, you didn't miss much, first of all. So nobody has to get envious. Nobody has to feel left out right now and be like, oh man, I wish I would have grown up singing it. Not after you hear it, but you're going to hear it right now. All right. Stand up with me all across the room. We're getting ready to do this thing kids church style. Let's go. Let's go. Don't you give me that look. Come on. We're going to skip ahead to the last round where it's right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, nod your head, turn around. We're going to just do them all at the last round. Are you ready? Here we go. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. Here we go. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, nod your head, turn around, sit down. All right, that's how it went back in the day. And this might be my last Wednesday ever sharing, but I went for it, you know? As I said, for those of you who did not grow up singing that song, see, you didn't miss much, all right? That's how worship used to be. Uh, no, I, I used to, uh, I don't even know if I grew up singing it or not, but I've been in church long enough to hear plenty of other people singing it. Uh, but we're gonna talk about Father Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number eight. And um, there's about 10 or 11 verses here that talk about this faith of Father Abraham. And we'll get into kind of why he's the, uh, the really even still for us. He's the father of the faith, the earthly father of our faith, um, even for us. And uh, verse number eight of Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah, Abraham's wife, was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. Somebody say amen. 
And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. You thought your life was tough. Abraham gets described as being as good as dead. A nation with so many people, like the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it in a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. This is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared a city for them. And it goes on to say in verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. That's faith. And in that sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. All right, so there's the, there's the picture in Hebrews 11 of the hero of faith named Abraham. And uh, we're going to look at this hero level of faith because um, I would start out this study of Abraham by saying this, um, these heroes are listed for a reason, not so that we would look at them and say, well, that kind of faith is unattainable. No, the, the author of Hebrews all the way through this is going, this is here to give you a picture of what faith should look like, of what your faith can look like. And so you can operate at a hero level of faith. That's, that's what we'll look at today and kind of see what a hero level of faith kind of looks like. And uh, I would start out by saying this, and if you're taking notes, uh, you can write this down. Uh, Wednesday nights are a great night to take notes. Really, any service is a good night to take, a good service to take notes, because uh, I always say uh, note takers are history makers. So uh, you'll get more out of it. Uh, but if you're taking notes, jot this down. Hero level faith leaves leaves comfort to follow a call. Hero level faith leaves comfort to follow a call. And our notes are also on the, um, on the uh, Bible app and also on our faith uh, assembly app. The, the notes for the message tonight and on Sundays are in both of those apps, so you can go there and, and check them out as well. All right. Leaves comfort to follow a call. Look at verse eight. We read it a moment ago. It was by faith Abraham obeyed when God called him. God calls him, look, to leave home, go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And look at this. Abraham went without knowing where he was going. Abraham went, left his home, and packed up and went without knowing where he was going. For some of you, it has been so long since you have gone anywhere without knowing where you're going. We're living life in a GPS era of, of history. Like, just think about that. Back in the day, sometimes people would leave to go on trips not knowing where they were going. Like, it just doesn't happen anymore. It's, it's funny when, when GPS first started to be a thing and, and like some people kind of understood it and was using their phones all the time like to go everywhere and then maybe some people hadn't started that yet and I can remember, you know, maybe getting, everybody getting ready to leave a certain place to go to a certain place and, and I can remember somebody asking me and saying, do you know how to get there? And my answer would just kind of be like, 
No, but it doesn't matter. I don't have to know how because my phone knows how, you know, like, and for people that weren't using it yet, they want to be like, well, if you go down and watch, look for the big tree and you turn left at the big tree and then there's usually a dog out there barking. If you see the dog, that's where you turn right, but it's not all full right. It's a half right because the other right, you know, then they're giving you all these directions and I'm just sitting there and like, that's fine, that's fine, but I'm gonna let Google tell me how to get there. I don't trust your dog and your tree. Um, but back in the day, think about it. We would start long journeys Remember this? We would call people. You'd call people and say, hey, I'm gonna come to your house. How do you get there? And they, remember they would say all these things. They'd be good, turn left on Washington Street. Be like, Washington Street, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn right on. You remember that? Driving along, trying to look at street signs in the dark that weren't lit up. I mean, this is how we did life. We used to do life just going where we didn't know where we were going. And now we never go anywhere without knowing where we're going. And I'm afraid that has spilled over in our spiritual walk. And now we want to say, God, give me all the details. God, I'm going to camp out right up in here. I'm going to stay right here in my little chair that I've been sitting in for the last 15 years. I'm going to stay in the same ministry that I've been doing the last 15 years. I'm going to stay in the same complacency that I've been in for the last 15 years. I'm going to stay in the same level of Christianity that I've been in for the last 15 years. Now, unless you give me all the details, God, then maybe I would step out. If I knew that everything I was going to try to do was going to be successful and going to be great, if I knew exactly where this new lane would take me, I would maybe then take this new lane. But until you explain it all to me, God, I'm going to stay right here. But that's not faith. That's a life of flesh. Anybody can live that kind of life. No, I want to live the kind of life that I just start to, I just start to sense that God's maybe leading me, that God's starting to drop something in my heart for a ministry that I could be involved in, for, a, for a, an outreach that I could do, for somebody that I could speak to. Think about that. Think about that. If I'm walking by uh, my workplace and I'm so in tune with the Spirit of God, I'm living such a life of faith that God whispers in my spirit and says, ask that person how they're doing. And what do we do? We say, God, show that, on me, show that to me on the GPS. Let's show me how that conversation is going to go. Because what if they ask me a question about the Bible that I don't understand? What if they say something I don't have an answer to? We want all the details. But what if we just obeyed God? What if we just picked up our little comfort zone right there and sat down next to that person and said, how are you really doing? And all of a sudden, God starts to use us in a crazy way because we stepped out and left the comfort zone to follow the call. I say this often, but the call of God has no concern for your comfort zone. Oh, God's just waiting for some of you just to pack it up and just to, just to step out even in an area that you're not exactly sure how it's all going to end up. That's faith. Anybody can, anybody can follow the GPS. Go even when you don't know exactly where it's going to end up. Do it even though you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. That's what faith is. Don't get paralyzed by this, uh, by this uh, lack of uh, understanding uh, everything that's going to happen. Uh, you know the phrase, the devil is in the details? Maybe he is. Because maybe that's the thing, is we want every single detail before we step out. Maybe, it's, maybe it is, it's the devil whispering in our ear to go, do you have all the details though? Do you have all the answers? Do you have all of the possible scenarios figured out? And the devil just paralyzes us with these details when faith just goes, no, if God's in it, go for it. If God's in it, step out. If God's in it, move towards it. If God's leading, if God's stirring something in you, join it, go for it, do it. 
If God's like, think about the things it's keeping us from because we don't know how it's going to turn out. God's been talking to some of you about joining a connect group for a long time. And you're like, I don't know what it's going to be like, though. What if I if, what if it's people that don't like me or what if it's people that I don't like? Or we, we, get, we get nervous about joining some ministry, get nervous about stepping out because we want to know every detail. Listen, faith. I love it. Faith says, I'll leave my comfort zone to follow a call. That's what Abraham, this heroic faith looked like. Hero level faith also looks, I like this, it looks so forward that you feel like a foreigner where you're at. Heroic faith just looks so forward. I become such a citizen of my next destination that I feel like a foreigner where I'm at. That's kind of what a life of faith should feel like. If we feel too comfortable on this planet, we got problems. If we feel too comfortable in this crazy culture, in this crazy world, then our faith level may not be where it needs to be. I like it. It says in verse 9 and 10, even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner. He was living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently just always looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Abraham's confidence was not uh, based on what was going on around him. It was based on what God had spoken to him. It was based on what he was looking for, not what he was looking at. We put our confidence in what we're looking at. Abraham put it in what he was looking forward to. I was on a, I was on a flight um, going to speak somewhere probably about a year ago, <clears throat> maybe, maybe a couple years ago. I got on this flight and I sat down. I was by myself traveling to that uh, speaking engagement. I sat down next to this lady um, who <clears throat> was in the seat. And when I sat down, I noticed that she was a little bit edgy, a little bit uh, jumpy. Uh, she, the moment she sat down, the plane wasn't even close to taking off yet. She had buckled down and pulled it tight and she was sitting there praying to several different gods. Like I could just tell she was nervous about this flight. Little did I know just how nervous she was though. I mean, when that flight took off, she was gripping onto that seat like I've never seen anybody grip onto before. Just so scared as the plane took off. And I happened to notice out of my peripheral, um, I had headphones in, so I, we weren't in a conversation, but I just, I, you know, I just want to be like, it's going to be all right. But I didn't think she'd believe me. You know, so she's just there. So we get up in the air and she kind of calms down a little bit, but still very, very uneasy about this flight. Wouldn't you know that that's a flight that has some turbulence while we're in the air? So it does. While we're in the air, just a couple little bumps, not anything major. The, the, the air masks weren't flying out or anything like that. Just a little bit of bumps, but it was enough to give this lady several heart attacks, like right there. Matter of fact, so much so, she wasn't grabbing the seat anymore. She reached over and grabbed my arm, like squeezing up into my arm with her nails, like so hard. I'm looking around like, lady, I don't know you like this. I got a reputation to uphold. I can't be holding hands with a stranger on a flight. Somebody will see it and tell on me. So I'm kind of looking at her like, okay, is it going to be like this? And uh, the plane kind of levels out, does okay. She looks at me, she goes, I'm sorry. And I said, it's all right, but it's going to be all right. We're, we're going to be fine. Uh, and so we kind of get her calmed down or whatever. And uh, she gets a little nervous at the landing again. And um, as the flight kind of lands, uh, the thought occurs to me. I'm like, what is it that even inspired this woman to even get on a plane? 
Like to think about how uneasy she was in this environment, I'm thinking like, what, why would she even do it? And I started thinking, I'll bet, I'll bet whoever that she's going to see, I'll bet wherever that she's going to go is so important to her that she's willing to endure this moment of trial, this moment of tribulation, this moment of turbulation, she's willing to endure that because she's got her eyes on what? On where she's going. Do you see what happens when we live by faith? Do you see what happens with these momentary trials? Do you see what happens when there's some turbulence in our life? If we can just have our minds set on, you know what? Even, even if I go through some tough seasons on this earth, I'm headed to heaven at some point. My, my eyes are fixed on, uh, on a place where the foundations are eternal. And if I can keep that in my mind's eye, if I can live by faith, knowing that even if I go through some trials, but not even just eternal. Some of us just need to have faith that the seasons I'm walking through, even on this earth, I'm gonna get through it. Like some of you, I'm not talking about heaven necessarily. Yes, have faith for a million years from now in eternity, but have faith for a year from now. Have faith for four years from now. Even if you go through some turbulence, even if you go through some tough seasons, just know that these things are not gonna take you out. Have faith, look so forward that you feel like a foreigner in this world. When your eye is on your destination, you won't be destroyed by your difficulties. Can I say that one more time? When your eye is on your destination, you won't be destroyed by your difficulties. Next time you pull up at a gas pump, just get your eyes on your destination. No, because they're not gonna be, it's not gonna be $5 a gallon forever. Pretty soon it's gonna be $9 a gallon, but it won't be. That's not, I'm going the wrong way, hold on. No, even if it is, listen, God is your provider. Even if it is, I know that God's, we've just never seen the righteous forsaken. Like we just know that. And so I've just got to have faith that outlasts uh, a spike uh, in gas prices, a spike in food price. I've got to have faith that outlasts a season of turmoil in our world and a season of war in our world. I've got to have faith that just, it looks past some of this stuff that we're walking through. It's not to diminish. It's not to say that we're not going through anything. That's not what we're saying. No, Abraham is living in a tent. That's a real life. Like he's looking around everybody else in, in nicer houses and he's there in the tent. That's reality. But he knew that that was not the final destination of his life. So you gotta be looking forward. And you gotta be looking at what God's promised in your life. A couple of Saturdays ago, Jamie got a text from somebody here in the church and they were taking their dog to the dog park. And so it became a text with a few people and we're like, let's all take our dogs to the dog park. So we went, it was a Saturday morning and we went to the dog park and we took our dogs and there was people there. And, and I'd heard about this dog that people were talking about that was there like the weeks before some like this, this pit bull was so nice. And I think they said his name was Zeus, but he was a super nice pit bull, uh, nice to all the other dogs uh, and we had talked about it and then pretty soon here it comes and they're like, that's Zeus. And I'm like, yeah, he looks like Zeus. Uh, like the dog is just like a, I mean, muscular. Matter of fact, his owner looked like he should be named Zeus as well. <laughs> just, I mean, muscles and whatever. So Zeus and Zeus were walking up. 
And uh, as he walks up, the owner of the dog has one of those, I don't know if you've seen these, it's like a plastic thing uh, when you're uh, playing fetch with a dog and it'll, it'll throw a tennis ball really, really far. It just adds some extra leverage to your throw. He's got one of these and a tennis ball. And, um, uh, and someone had said something that when they saw that, they said, watch what happens when, they, when Zeus gets the tennis ball. So this guy gets his fancy little tennis ball thrower and he loads it up and he throws the tennis ball and Zeus runs like a Greek god. I mean, he's just like going faster than all the other dogs and he gets a hold of that tennis ball and he comes back and then his owner tries to get the tennis ball and he won't let it go. And then somebody said, yeah, he won't let it go now the whole day at the dog park. And sure enough, that dog never let go. They were there for probably 45 minutes. The dog never, they kept trying to sneak up on him. He'd be like trying to grab it real fast. He would tighten up real fast. He never let go of the tennis ball. This poor owner buys the fancy tennis ball thrower. He gets to throw the ball one time. He gets to throw one time and Zeus holds on to the tennis ball. And so I was kind of cracking up and I was trying to think of ways that they could fix that. But one thing about it that I loved about Zeus, holding on to that prize, holding on to that, that ball. I'm like, that's how I want to hold on to the promises of God. Like no matter what anybody wants to try to come and snatch him out of my mouth, I'm going to be like, no, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, in, I'm going to instead, I know I see some things going on around me. I'm going to instead trust the promises of God. Hold on and never let go of promises like this. Let me read a couple promises that I just want to encourage you to hold on to because somebody needs to hear these promises tonight. Somebody came to midweek service barely dragging away, barely dragging through the week. Somebody needs to hold on to these promises like Zeus held on to that tennis ball. This is my command, Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Romans chapter 8 verse 38-39. I can Convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Second Timothy chapter one, for the Spirit of God. The Spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but the Spirit of God gives us power. The Spirit of God gives us love and self-discipline. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, do not fear, for I am with you. Oh, let me just, somebody sees a hold on to that promise. God just threw that promise out. You need to chase that thing down. Hold on to it. Do not be dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I know, but I'm so weak. I know, but the promise of God says, I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold tightly. Mm, there it is, just like Zeus. Without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Luke chapter 12. Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about the flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Romans 8, 28, for we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Somebody, come on, somebody just grab a hold of the promises of God. And when you got that promise, what that'll make you do, it'll cause you to do, it'll cause you to look so forward to the fulfillment of that promise that you feel like a foreigner 
in the world. That's good. Hero level faith also births something even during barrenness. Verse 11, Hebrews 11. It was by faith that even Sarah, Sarah gets brought into this hero level faith with Abraham. Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and she was too old. She was about 90 years old. She believed that God would keep his promise though. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore, there was no way to count them. So a little history here about uh, Abraham and, and Sarah. Abraham, when he's about 99 years old, God appears to him and says, you're gonna be the father of many nations. You're not just gonna have a child. You're, I mean, I'm talking about you're gonna be the father of of nations. And uh, he appears and says this, and Sarah is about 90 years old, that they're going to be parents in a big way. And I, you know, I guess we could, we could certainly read about that story, maybe try to put ourselves in that position and just go, why? Why would they believe that? Well, because they, they knew what faith was like because they had already lived a life of faith because this was you're going to you're going to notice something as we study this through Abraham's life that the that the life of faith got more intense as they went that the call of faith grew as they lived the life of faith like that's what's going to happen for you some of you think, well, I could, I could never get to the final stage of this kind of faith. Don't get to the final stage yet. Get to the first stage first. Just be obedient to what, what God's calling you to do and what God's calling you to be. And so they, they speak this promise. Abraham's 99. Sarah is 90. They're going to be the father of nations. And they go, all right, we believe you. And after year one was done, they're like, God, we believe you. And after year five, do the math. <laughs> Abraham's 104. She's 94, 95. I'll get my math straight. It'll be all right. We still believe you. After year 10, we still, after year 20, mm, still, are you serious now, God? Is it, do we still believe you, God? Because now Abraham is 119 and Sarah's 110. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really proud of myself. I just passed my math test. They still believed. Like waiting is so tough. The season between what God promises and the fulfillment of that promise, that's tough for most of us. What that season's called is a season of barrenness. And faith says, God, you're still birthing something even in a season of barrenness, even if I have to wait, we have gotten so, we have not, we have gotten so unskilled at waiting. I mean, we sing about it. We did tonight. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. But then we go to like the fast food place after service and we get in the drive-thru and if it's more than six minutes, I mean, we are livid, disgusted, I can't believe I can't get a full meal in five minutes. This is ridiculous. These are the things that you've said. I don't say it. I'm, I'm patient. I'm fine. But I'm talking about. So this instant world has got us wanting to serve an instant God. 
When faith says, I'll trust God, not only you, this is the tougher one, but God, I'll trust your timing. And I'll know that even if I feel like I'm in a season of barrenness, that God, you're gonna come through. And let's be honest, like the last couple of years, in a lot of ways, have been real seasons of question and, and barrenness. And whatever crisis our world has been going through and is going through, and, what, and whatever crisis is coming on the horizon, because there'll probably be another one that we're not talking about yet, that's in the works right now. But here's the thing, in the midst of whatever crisis has been, is, and whatever crisis is coming, here's the thing, God's still gonna be birthing stuff. God's still gonna be birthing miracles in our life because he does during seasons of, of barrenness. And that's the kind of uh, hero level of faith says, no, you're birthing something even during seasons of barrenness. I'm not gonna hurry here, but hero level faith, and I said it, it's, it's, it's a journey here that's getting more intense as we go. But hero level faith also sacrifices with total certainty. Hero, heroic faith, sacrifices with total certainty. So this story, this, this life of Abraham, this account of Abraham in, Elite, in Hebrews 11 gets to the point of Abraham's story that has confused a lot of people. It's really, it's really made a lot of people struggle with this part of Abraham's story. It's by faith Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. This is the promise. This is now 25 years later after the promise and, and Isaac is born and now Isaac's just a, a young boy. And God comes to Abraham and says, okay, that promise that y'all waited on for so long, here's what I want you to do. And I've heard people talk about this passage of scripture and, and kind of misunderstand it and kind of look at, look at the, oh, look at the nature of God. What kind of God would do this? I've heard people try to use this story against anybody that would try to serve a God like this. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. And Abraham, who'd received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom the descendants will be counted. But Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, if Isaac dies, God's able to bring him back to life. And in that sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. See, we talked about this faith, like it, it growing and it growing and it, and it just grows and it, it gets stronger. The, the tests kind of maybe get harder, but as the tests get harder, passing the reward for passing the test gets greater. Can I say that one more time? As the tests get harder, because some of you are at a place where you're like, God, why? Why is my faith tested at a different level than that person's faith is tested? Why does it seem like my, my faith walk is tougher? Why does it seem? Because that's the part of the journey you're on. And because the passing of that test, if it's a diff, more difficult test, the reward is going to be greater in your life. The reward was great for passing this very, diff, very difficult test. But faith grows when we're honest about whether or not we are willing to give up. And when I'm willing, whatever I'm willing to give up will cause my faith to grow. Let me talk about some practical areas. So like, like for instance, in giving, and I'm, not, and I'm not trying to preach a message on giving, it's just an example of a faith life. 
It's I'm, I'm willing to give something up. And when I'm willing to give something up, tithe, offering, missions, offering, when I'm willing to give something up like that, my faith grows. And now I can live a life of faith in God's resource versus faith in what I can create and generate in my resource. Uh, my time, as I give, give up my time, I trust God now that the, the rest of my time is gonna be efficient and God's gonna do something with my life. And, and so when I give myself in ministry, when I give myself to even, the fact that you're here tonight is, a, is an act of faith. You came to church, I'm gonna give up my time so that, I, that I'm, I'm believing that I'm gonna receive something from God because I'm giving up my time. Uh, maybe, you, maybe it's the encounter day. When you come to encounter day, what that's gonna be, uh, it's whatever it is, seven, eight, eight hours or nine hours, whatever it is, I'm giving up those hours because God's going to do something radical. The greater the test, the greater the walk of faith, the greater the reward. Time's that way. Relationships are that way. Some of you maybe are, are, are single and in relationships with somebody and, and God's going to, if, you, if, you'll, if you'll give that up, because it's not the relationship I have, if you'll give that up, your faith will grow. If you hold on to what I'm asking you to give up, your faith will stall out. Maybe it's some habit or some behavior. God's been speaking to you about giving that up. If you'll give it up, your faith will grow. But there's something that is so significant about this moment of Abraham's faith journey. Um, This is the part where people go, why would God ask him to do this? They're picturing a, a father with a blade in his hand, with the son tied to an altar and and he's there. I can remember a, a, a kid's Bible I had when I was a kid, had a picture of it. And I can remember seeing it like, wow, that's pretty intense for a Bible. There's this father with this knife holding it up and God speaks to stop. You know the story. His look there caught in the bushes was a substitutionary sacrifice. Now what some of you may not know the mountain where this happened is Mount Moriah. And uh, pretty much across the board, scholars are pretty convinced that this Mount Moriah, this hill on which Abraham tried to sacrifice Isaac, is the same identical area where Calvary was. So as this Sacrifice is getting ready to happen. A substitutionary sacrifice appears as a, as a picture of what will happen a couple thousand years later on that same spot when it was us, when it was us that should be dying for our sin. And God says, wait, I'm providing a substitutionary sacrifice. And so Abraham is a type of God, his giving up his only son. And God says, wait. And God lets all of this unfold just to give us a glimpse, just to give us a hint, just to give us a picture towards what's going to happen and the turmoil that a heavenly father goes through when he gives his one and only son in that same spot to be our sacrifice. And, and faith like that, faith like Abraham had, says there's no sacrifice too great that it won't be worth it. Sacrifice with certainty. Like, so, and, and that's the, I guess that's the end goal of our faith, is to get to the place 
where there's just nothing, think about this, think about this, there's nothing God can't ask us for. Mm. You get there, I mean, we did it. You get there, it's high fives all around. Get to the place in your faith journey, heroic faith gets to the place where there's nothing God can't ask me for. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.